welcome to the dinner table. My name, of course, is Aislinn Campbell. And with me every week at the dinner table with lots of fantastic conversations is... Joe Hilliard. Hello. All right, before you say another word, I've got a package in the mail today. Knobs for our gas stove so that we have we can stop turning our gas stove on and off with a, a pair of pliers. A pair I, of pliers. They only took six weeks to get here, but they are here. <laughs> Lily was in the kitchen with her boyfriend and they were making some food. I believe she was heating up or frying an egg or something. Making There's been a toast, lot of eggs you know? being fried. Right. And yeah, your daughter there, uses butter. Oh, there was a whole conversation about that because he, <laughs> she put down the butter and then he tells her, no, you have to use oil because butter will burn. And she's like, no, we use butter. Because I'm like quietly hearing sure. their conversation. Oh, yeah. I'd be eavesdropping and like go, a mofo. I go, technically, Lily, he's right because butter does actually burn. And that's why when you cook eggs in butter, you get like a little brown crispy. Right. And I was like, I just like the way it tastes in butter as opposed to like olive oil. Right. But he's technically right. But I'm not sure he knows exactly what he's even telling you, which I think is hilarious because listening to an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old like converse over how to make fried eggs, you know? It is funny. Because I've been teaching her how to make a fried egg and actually flip it. So Mm -hmm. she was like excited. She was telling him, look, I can flip it. I can flip it, you know? Um, Flip it with a toss or flip it with a spatula? Flip it with a spatula, meaning that like I need to be able to get it loose enough. Like you have to put enough butter in here and you have to get it moving before it actually sets into the bottom of the pan Mm -hmm. and then you can easily flip it over. Then I also heard, and here I am turning on our gas stove with a pair of pliers because our house has a lot of character. (laughs) And you know what? I I find it very interesting, this house, because we're leaving this house now. Mm And by the time we're done with this house, we will have been here seven years. Our children will have spent seven years of their life in this house. So that's well, a formative l- years too. High yeah, years. and that's a big deal for certainly my kids because my kids have moved and moved and moved right. and moved all over the place because I was so young when they, when I had them. So because of that, this was a long stay for Lily, and she and Savannah both as quirky as this house has been from beginning to end a mixed type of neighborhood which is great that's how we want to live our lives most of the time if i'm going to live in the city in a neighborhood i want it to be mixed culture mixed diversity mixed income mixed i'm done with homogeny oh god and you know actually i thought to myself as i was driving home on ocean drive over on one side, I saw a guy crossing the street with his longboard in his hand. He had just really long hair and was pulling off the California vibe, but here in Corpus Christi, Texas. Sure. And then just a little bit further, I drove down and I saw a woman in a, do you call it a hajib? Hajib. Hajib. I thought to myself when I saw that and that, that's exactly why I was so adamantly trying to leave this area when I was 17 and 18. Okay. It was because there was no diversity here. It was very profound when I, and it was today, like I had that thought about how beautifully diverse our community has become in the recent years. I mean, yes, there's a lot more people here and there's a lot more people from a lot of different places here. However, I think that more than anything else, it's that you don't have to come to our community and be like us. Come to our community and be you. Teach us something. Yeah. And I love, I love that. I love that. So, but it's been fun to watch the kids really love this home and to love the quirks of it all and to be sad that we're leaving this home and to be sad that we're leaving this neighborhood, but to be excited, I think. I I sit in the backyard and look at what you have accomplished out there. It's just, it it is gorgeous. Mm. And I look forward to you creating that at our new home. Oh, it's 2.0, man. Unanswered questions. 
unanswered questions, a.k.a. we want to know everything. Why wouldn't you? I so enjoyed our conversation last week about our first restaurant jobs. I was curious because Casa Olay, where you worked, and Black Eyed Pea, where I worked, are no longer in our city. No. Is there still one at the College Station Mall? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I bet there is. At the height of its powers, Casa Olay had 80 restaurants. Uh-huh. It is now down to 26. Uh-huh. At the height of its powers, Black Eyed Pea had 92 restaurants. They are down to 10 with only one in Texas. Where's the one in Texas? Amarillo. Oh, that's funny. I was going to say Abilene. I can remember the first time I went to Macaroni Grill and it being like a fine, amazing experience. Sure, yeah. And when we first moved back to Corpus Christi, Macaroni Grill was one of our favorite restaurants. And as we ate there, we continued to watch the service decline. And now Macaroni Grill is no longer really anywhere. Mm-hmm. I felt that way about Carrabba's. It is now gone. I never liked Carrabba's. Everyone's first chain restaurant was Red Lobster. It was like the granddaddy of mm-hmm. them all. It was there 30 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever. I like but, those Cheddar Bay biscuits. Oh, they're good. But <laughs> Chili's is the one that really grew fast. I remember being excited when Chili's came to town. And that kicked off there being restaurant 20 <laughs> of, chains of chain restaurants. up and down our main thoroughfare here in town. Mm-hmm. And watching them come and then leave. Like Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme was a hilarious disaster. (laughs) It was the biggest opening of Krispy Kreme history when it came to our city. They had to hire a dozen officers to manage the car drive-through and the lines, and you gave up. You said, these donuts must be incredible, but I'm not going to wait in a two-hour line for donuts. Within a year, it was out of business. It might have been a little more than a year, but it it was was quick. Yeah. I went to that place one time. Once. They put that hot donut sign on and you could get a free donut while you waited in line. Hot off that grease. Mmm. Those are sugar bombs. I couldn't eat that if I... I, Literally the thought of it. Do you remember when somebody made a... um, a donut with uh, like chicken in the middle of it, fried chicken in the middle of it or something like that. The donut was the bread and a chicken sandwich, yes. right. I have a question for people. Seriously, please answer this for us. When you see things like that in commercials and spaces like that, do you just immediately go, yum, I want to try that? Or, oh God, that feels bad to even think about it. Like it makes me hurt inside. I have heartburn just thinking about it because I'm the heartburn and thinking about it person. I'm curious to know what other people like. Seriously, let's get let's get a poll going here. The Burger King black hamburger, or the bun was black, the the meat was black. I just don't. I, well, first I, of all, I don't eat fast food. I get gimmicks, but I don't understand that the knee jerk notion is that the audience is going to respond to any gimmick, no matter how as- asinine it might be. What about the like unicorn smoothie drink thing that they made at Starbucks? So I, don't, like I didn't hear that. The story. unicorn. Okay. It was like all different colors and glitter and... What about shootouts over the chicken sandwiches at Popeye's? What a fascinating universe we live in. Right. To me, it's who has the best chips and queso. Right. Which, by the way, is Chewy's. If I have to eat chain, I'm going to Chewy's. But you know what? I think I have to give Mia most of the credit for that. The bartender who... Is a friend of mine now. Like beyond just being the bartender, she's a friend of mine. And she makes me a perfect margarita which is a margarita with silver Patron, and I eat chips and queso. A lot of the reason that people like chain restaurants is because people like consistency. Mm-hmm. And their bottom line comes down to how efficient can we make it 
all the same. Everybody does it exactly the same. Mechanize it, basically. Yeah. If we mechanize it, then we can make more money because it flows like a machine. And if a part breaks down in the machine, we just go fix the part in the machine. The problem with that is, is that we're humans. We're not machines. So it only lasts for so long before we're like, mm, we don't like that machine anymore. We'd like to buy a different dishwasher now. <laughs> like... I said Marco Polo was a spice trader. He wasn't. He was a trader in silks and other goods. So you yelled Marco and no one yelled Polo back. And then you were like, oh, this is confusing. I don't know what to do now. Something like that. So they were having like a seed swap at a farmer's market. And they would get in their boat and they would ride their boat over to the seed swap at the farmer's market. They would swap they, seeds. They'd get a bunch of stuff and then they'd drive that same boat from maybe India into Eastern Africa. Mm-hmm. Which is getting back to our conversation last week about the African experience and how much it's influence the american experience mm -hmm. i could talk about this stuff all day it is fascinating and it's very fascinating to see how we've evolved as a species and then you offhandedly asked what is the agenda of this podcast and i hit the gong at that moment so <laughs> that we can maybe talk about that as an unanswered question today what is the agenda of this podcast that's a really good question i'll tell you what my agenda for the podcast is let me take some notes my life goal is to talk to people. <laughs> so my agenda is to talk to people. Of course, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. Of course. I felt like the idea of talking at the dinner table would open up all the doors for us to talk about anything we wanted to, but always to talk about food because food, second to talking, is the most important thing in my life. But the agenda I is... think it's very simply the idea of we have this lifestyle. We'll talk to you about it. Right. If you connect with that, keep listening. Exactly. Yeah. And if you think you have a friend that might connect with it, share it with them. Pass it along. And you know, it may not be that every episode is for everyone, but I think that if you hear an episode and you think to yourself, you know, that reminds me of so-and-so. I think so-and-so would like this. Send it over to them. Okay, I'm building a stinger for the Dinner Table Talk Time Machine one year ago look back segment. Let me remind you what we recorded last week. I think uh -huh. we need another piece, and I can maybe fuse them together. Uh -huh. One year ago today, something, something. No, I just, can't we just pretend like we just doodle 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 and then it just, like, switches over? Because, like, if you think about, like, a time warp, I mean, woo, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> All right, well, okay, here, here it is, our segment this time last year. We were out at the farm and the grapes that your dad makes wine with are not quite ready to harvest. But when I listened to episode 1.43, mm -hmm. one year ago now, we had already harvested a bunch of grapes. Yeah, I looked at them today because I had listened to last year's episode. Because now I'm getting into like the idea of like, oh, we've got a whole year. Mm -hmm. We're back to a whole year. You, did you listen to the whole thing? Now I, yes. It's like a journal for me. Right. For everything. For right. Like, what did I cook? That, and that's one of the things I always said about the lives that I do, the garden, Sunday garden lives that I do. And now I've pulled around to the, the full year of that as well. And you can find those on my business page, Aislinn Campbell on Facebook. I also put them up on my YouTube channel, which is also called Aislinn Campbell. So if you can spell my name, you can find me on the internet. It's very easy. So what I've learned about those is that it gives me the ability to know what I was doing this time of the year last year. It helps me understand weather better, helps me understand timing better. Well, the grapes, yeah, they're not ready to harvest because they set late because of the freeze. Our February 14th massive Texas freeze. Right, that craziness. 
But the figs are like falling off the tree now. I figs. mean, they are just like fully, fully, fully harvesting figs like a crazy person. Well, now. speaking of figs, one year ago now, you talked about how the yellow jackets got a hold of you in those fig trees. Yes, and they are flitting about. I noticed one in the fig tree today. I didn't notice a house, but I did notice a bug. I also have noticed them flitting about my gardens. And one of the things that I remember saying from last year, we needed a more fully functioning micro ecosystem out there we had a small ecosystem but i wasn't there yet in terms of like creating what the yellow jackets might need in order to stay away from bugging me so what's happened in the last 365 days that's moved those yellow jackets to a more manageable place i have created full production market gardens on the farm yeah, like so they have more places gardens. to spread out is that part they of have it? more food and they're not all concentrated in one particular area. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't find houses because what sure. happens is they like to build their houses on wood. And so anywhere you have wood, they're going to build their houses at, knock that down so that there's not a swarm of them, basically. But the thing about figs, though, is, and also for that matter, grapes, the fruit, is that wasps lay their eggs in figs and grapes, Interesting. I did do some research on it, but I can't really remember. So the high sugar, I have to imagine what they have in yeah. common. Like high, high sweet sugar, the ability to ferment on the vine. I'd have to go back and do some research. Maybe we could add it to the unanswered question list next week about why, about figs. Where you hit the gong. Because man. the fig itself is actually the flower. Oh, not the fruit. Right. It's the flower. Interesting. So we need to go into it deeper so that when I get to the next farm to table talk, I mean, see, the agenda of the podcast is just simply me practicing for the next piece of bit I need to do for somewhere else. Oh, you're <laughs> getting your material finished here? Right. Uh, I, I practice. Y'all can your, tell. You don't bring your fully formed material to the show? <laughs> Y'all can tell. This is the open mic night. You always say, yes, this is the open mic night. Oh, yeah. You always say that I have oh. to like pull the lawnmower string three or four times yes. to get her to like <laughs> okay, and so listen. Here's the thing about peace on earth. No, no, no. It, whenever people, it, it, and that, you, you, no one on the, that's listening now hears the pulling of the string over and over and over. <laughs> if you ever hear really hard cuts, it's usually Aislinn has gotten the engine Finally going, <laughs> and I want to grab that one thing she said at the very beginning that makes sense. So yeah, I this love is, it. This I, is I open love mic it. night for me. There's no doubt about that. But the. Kind of the highlight, the middle part, the big juiciest part of the stake in episode 1.43 was us talking about the magical mystery tour, something that we named that at the beginning of our relationship, but some of the more spiritual, esoteric thoughts and notions that certainly come across the dinner table very often. Yeah, if I had any fear about communicating about that a year ago, I have zero now. I think that we have we, hold on, we were prepping. massive work we have to do. We were prepping for this episode, uh -huh. and I made you listen to last year's uh -huh. because of the nature of that Magical Mystery Tour. And just in a little while, I'm going to try to open up the Magical Mystery Tour again. We'll see what happens. You're going to get on the bus? <laughs> yeah, you should get on the bus. It's a fun bus. You told me before we started recording today that listening back that you... I didn't know anything. And I said, yes, you did. I didn't know anything. Do you think, though, that whatever we talk about today or, to, or next week or the week after that, that a year later, you're probably going to say the same thing about your position? Probably. Yeah. Because the universe reveals itself to you as you can handle it. Things only resonate with you huh. when you can hear it. Last week's episode was recorded so late in the week that there's been not much time between this recording and that one. And it has been a cavalcade of leftovers from last week's brisket to last week's curry 
I did make a chicken pot pie that night that we recorded. Yes. It wasn't as good as the one you made a year ago. Do you want me to briefly tell you why? Tell me why. Last year, we were so submerged in the five sauce challenge that I made the velote sauce uh-huh. and then from that created the chicken pot pie. I knew that was the answer. What I did this year, I found a different recipe where all of the ingredients for a velote sauce were there, but you didn't, you kind of made everything together. So that's a good lesson learned for me. I knew that was the answer. I think you should give the chicken pot pie another stab again and go, I said this, go back to the original recipe. Go back to the OG recipe. I also made another pot of black eyed peas. This is your mom's recipe. It's an instant pot recipe. Your fresh black eyed peas. I quickly saute onion, garlic, celery, and pepper. Put that into the instant pot with two cups of broth, your fresh black eyed peas, few cups of them, whatever you got. They're technically purple whole peas this year. And some salt. 15 minutes in your Instant Pot. Let it naturally release. And it's some of the best black-eyed peas that we've ever eaten. It couldn't be more simple. Do this tonight. One of the things that I like about the summer is while I'm having to do a lot of harvesting still right now. Sure. And it's hot. And it's well, you're, you're muggy. You're working out your work schedule to stay out of that heat. The yellow jacket. Seriously. Work schedule. Staying out of the heat in the summertime in South Texas is not reality. Okay. <laughs> there is no staying out of the heat. It's just. I'll get out there how... at 7 a.m. and start sweating. Yeah. It's 7 a.m. It's already 78 degrees outside. And so... it seems like it's raining nonstop. So you're getting the humidity coming and up out of the a, ground. It's muggy. Yeah. It's muggy. But the things that you're harvesting don't have the same like wilt pressure. And so when I go out and harvest in the wintertime or in the springtime, I've got to rush home and get all that stuff sorted out, put away, delivered to the customers, you know, whatever. In the summertime when I'm harvesting beans and black eyed peas and okra and cucumbers and squash and tomatoes and peppers, all that stuff just stays can stay in a bucket. So I was heading back from the farm and kind of the adventures I'd had that day. Got into town and was like, I'm going to go to the surf club and have a drink. About that time, I get a text from Lily that says, I'm heading over to Renan's. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to the surf club. Meet up with me down here. You guys, I'll buy you dinner. I love the bribery. I know. I love the bribery. Hey, Hunter's in town. He was in town for Father's Day. Do you want to get together for some? I made plans with this one and that one. I'll buy you dinner. (laughs) Okay, I'm on my way. Yeah, exactly. The surf club is a place where I can go where I'm like dirty. (laughs) And it was also raining yesterday. Yeah. At this time. I can sit outside kind of in the rain. I got my hat on. I can show up half dirty, sweaty and smelly, eat some nachos, drink a beverage. My choice these days is ranch water. I'll likely see at least five people I know. That is that place. That's a minimum. Just, yeah, defined. <laughs> we said, I think that girl sleeps here. I know. We will not say her name right now. We just got to have a really good, fun conversation. We didn't need anything special there. We ate what we always eat there. Bean and cheese nachos. But, you know, I think that the bigger point of the meal was just the opportunity to kind of be outside in our South Texas summer. I love watching people, too. It's a good place to watch people. It's a great place to watch people. You know, you've always known me to be a people watcher. Oh, yeah. Well, now I'm like an obsessive people watcher. I'm like a stalker people watcher. You're a professional. I realize that I don't realize that I'm literally staring at someone. And then they look up and they recognize that I'm staring at them. And then I'm always like, I just smile politely, you know, and I think, I wonder what they think. Because I'm not like judging them when I stare at them. I'm just looking at them because I find 
our world so fascinating and I find people so fascinating. <laughs> and then before the kids got there yesterday, I was sitting out in the front like area with the fountains and all the thing where people like come and go inside. And I was sitting at a table. There was no one else out there because every other table was raining. I was watching flies on my table. And then all of a sudden I got in this space and time where the flies had a whole family thing going on. And I think they really did. And then it made me think, maybe I need to understand more about how the flies work. Because there was like a little fly and then there was like a big fly. And then there was like a fly that had a little bit different shaped wings. And one of the flies like jumped on the back of the other fly. They were communicating. And then this one fly, so there was four flies and they were there and it was their table and they were like controlling the table and they were like flying around and doing their little thing. They take their little hands, their little like, what do you call them? I don't know. Like bug hands and they like wipe their tentacles off on their face. A and little then fly I saw... school bus showed up. Yes. The little one got on. Yes. And the other ones cried. And then this one other fly came in and like landed on the table and the other, all four flies just went right up to it and then it flew off don't come into our house. This is our fly house. And then they kept trying to land on my purse. And I was like, no, no, that's not your house. That's my house. And then finally they all left. And, but the main reason they left was because the kids walked up and they were like, they swatted them. No, they were just like, what are you doing? Cause I, I literally was sitting at a table by myself, staring at the table. Yeah. I was watching the flies. <laughs> like, so that's the thing for me. It's like, that's, I, I appreciate that your space. inclusivity and people watching is kind of limiting. Your species watching now. I'm just watching life because life is fascinating. Speaking of the ma magical mystery tour, a year later, I have like a completely different understanding about where we are in this space and time and why we're here. And so it makes watching, people watching, bird watching, lizard watching, dog watching, whatever, car watching... It makes it all so much more fascinating. I think it was Saturday when all of a sudden you had gone to the farm that morning. All of a sudden you texted me you're like, oh my God, I forgot I have an interview to do. Yeah. You came in like a tornado. <laughs> Which I hardly do anymore. And then sat down to do a Zoom type of interview, uh -huh. Skype, whatever. And I watched the interview live. Uh -huh. I was blown away. It was great. I was very happy with how it came out. The lifestyle that I'm living is giving me so much access to so much good information that I believe will truly benefit other people as much as it has benefited me that I'm working really hard at putting that information out there into the world as often as I can and create so that I can create more of that because it's what I want. It's the life I want to live. And I know that the best way for me to create the life that I want to live I mean, I said this about starting the farmer's market years ago. At the end of the day, I needed a farmer's market. So I started a farmer's market. But one of the things I learned through actually going down that path was that giving all of me away in service, even if it was culminating something that I supported in my community, it wasn't really creating what I supported in my community because what it was creating was me giving all of my energy away. And yes, I created something that I required and desired in the community, but I was still not well 
while having access to this thing that I was, was creating in order to be to, well. To be well. Right. Exactly. And wellness is a top priority to me. That's why anytime when I get an opportunity to talk about the lifestyle things that I desire around me and the wellness things yeah. that I and inspire other people to like want to be a part of that and to be in my space and in my world, I'm going to give it my best. And it's getting better because I'm telling you who I am. And if you want to be a part of that and you want to share space with a person that wants to live this kind of lifestyle, then come on, let's go, <laughs> you know, like let's power up as the interview was called. Let's power up. As a matter of fact, I hope you will, when you're promoting the podcast this week, you'll share this interview with you oh, because one, I thought it was I've, really fantastic. Yeah, I've already shared it because they gave you an opportunity to really kind of talk some things out. When we were listening to last year's podcast, we went down the religion like track. Exactly. That time. Exactly. That's an interesting thing when you talk about like the magical mystery tour and the idea that like at the end of the day, the conversation is going to be what it's intended to be and it's going to evolve. It's highly possible that the next step in the Magical Mystery Tour is this concept of manifestation, this concept of I can create what I desire. Thoughts become things. Law of attraction. Words that people now know in a way, I can pull things to me. I create my own reality. Everyone. I also believe that and I've talked about this on this podcast many times, especially since we've dealt with the pandemic stuff. And that is that we are both individual and whole. We're both. We are an individual and we are also a whole thing. I think that is very relatable in the time of pandemic. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was a situation where it seems to be that the answer is that we all work collectively towards this greater good. Yes. The problem with what I saw in that was it was an either or, not an and. No, like, you're absolutely right. Like I completely agree with you. And that's as good as... You are as... either selfish and egoic mm -hmm. or you are part of the social system. Mm -hmm. You are one or the other. You can choose. And you each, have to be one of them. And each fully felt that exact thing about the other half. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect kind of manipulation. Mm -hmm. Complete spectral differences of opinion. If that can be created, then we can stay in strife. And if we stay in strife, then the collective mm -hmm. can never work together. And what the last year has done for me is because I've released a lot of pain... I have pierced the veil, but I was asking to pierce the veil to be able to really understand better how it all works. Now it makes it very easy for me to see how I can be both completely independent and self, but also completely connected to the whole and completely part of a bigger than me thing and be completely aligned with the idea that whatever myself creates is what is around me. But I do interact with the whole and the whole has a lot of other pinpoints that are creating also. So like you're a pinpoint that's creating also. Mm -hmm. And I've allowed you into my space. So now our space, our soup starts intermingling. And we are co-creating, but we are still co-creating as a part of the whole that is all co-creating. 
And consciousness is simply being awake to the concept that you are both individual and a part of the whole. But we live unconscious, a lot of us, a lot of times. Which I would think then means we act solely as individual. No, it just means that we're... It sounds like you're saying... We're just unaware of what the whole is. I think we just live asleep. It's comfortable to just be. And so whether we're whole or individual, we don't really think about it that much. I would guess if you and I hadn't met, you probably wouldn't think about these things very much. I don't see that in you. But maybe I'm wrong because I don't know what goes on inside your head. I don't know. Well, are you trying to get into a single wing flap of a butterfly conversation? Because no, if I hadn't met, if we hadn't met, you'd be very different and I'd be very of different course. because the two pinballs of didn't course. bang into each other. Of course. Of course. Which is a euphemism for nothing, by the way. It is interesting that you use the term two pinballs banging into each other because seeing the other side of the veil is seeing that it's just a fucking game. And it's a numerical soup game. It's just us being. So there's literally nothing wrong. But if I don't want that in my space, then I should not put energy into it. I should not think about it. I should not say it's what I am. So like, I am sick. That's me. This thing creating in this mathematical soup of energy saying... I am something I don't want to be. And then drawing that into you. See, that's the thing. Comparing this magical mystery tour to last year's magical mystery tour is like light years ahead. Are you trying to remove shared liability? There's no way to share the liability when you are the same. But you are also an individual. To remove shared liability would say I'm 100% liable for everything that's going on around. It is all up to me. Yes. It is all because of me. It is all because of thoughts that I had or things I put into motion. Well, but you're also a part of the whole too. So the whole moves and that's where you have challenges that as a human in a meat suit, a body that will turn into compost someday, that you are challenged by the whole because the whole wants to experience Whatever the whole wants to experience. It's that thing where anytime we have a philosophical conversation, I try to boil it down to human example. Well, yeah, that's a part of the thing that's really important. I mean, (laughs) to me, and that's what I I think that in order to get it to resonate with anyone, I'm feeling myself. Exactly. (laughs) I'm feeling myself trying to bring it down to examples that make concrete sense. But I think that part of it is having to abandon doing that. Exactly. That's exactly right. However, okay, so here's the great part about being a human. Like, it's, it feels good to be a human. And adversity that we talked about just a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the pandemic again, and I was basically saying you have to have pain in order to have change. Well, you have to have adversity in order to have change. But adversity doesn't have to feel bad necessarily. You create your own reality. And if you think about that, And it's very hard to think about it if you haven't seen the other side of the veil. If you think about that, then what you're saying is that you literally create every single thing that is happening around you. 
It doesn't exist if you don't look at it and pay attention to it and give it a name and give it some energy and tell it to do something or premonize that it will break someday. You gave it existence. You gave it all of its characteristics. Now, here's an interesting thing. When I look at you, I do not see what you see when you look at you. It's literally impossible. That makes sense. Now, when I look at you and you look at you and everyone around looks at you, we have a generally shared understanding of what you look like because that's the thing we've already proven it is possible to create. Okay. Because we're just going to keep recreating in this energetic field that we're just zoop, zoop, mathematical soup creating in. We're going to create easiest things we've already created because we already know how to do it. Boom. I know how to make a bald man. I know how to make blue eyes. I know how to make blah, 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 whatever. And it, with this partner and this partner and rugged, these two people looks. came together and a beard and rugged good looks okay. and yes, <laughs> deviated septum, you know, all of those things. All the characteristics that make up Joe Hilliard are a part of all of the things that your pinpoint has seen before already. And so the moment that someone creates something that you've never seen before, you then can create it. You can create it, right? So when you're driving along the street and you see somebody in a badass car and you're all like, her daddy probably bought that for her. Not, look at that bad bitch. I bet she's a boss. I bet she has a good company that takes good care of people and blah, 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 blah. Are the lingo and the hand (laughs) motions that you're making right now required in this? The point of it is is that rather than creating jealousy in that situation, create that for yourself. Create that. Go, I would look real good in that red Jeep Wrangler. I would look real good with the windows down and the music blaring. I can see my red hair in that car. Now, every time you like pull it in closer to you and embody it, like when I went on vacation, I drove a red Jeep Wrangler. I've seen myself in a red Jeep Wrangler driving with the windows down and the music rolled up and my red hair. I've seen that. Because you mentioned the idea of we get stuck thinking that something is what it is. And then comes along a disruptor. Adversity. Sometimes it's because the whole wanted it. Okay. Sometimes it's because the mainstream wanted it. Sometimes Regardless it's because... Regardless of if we wanted COVID or not. It doesn't matter if you say want in mm-hmm. a way that's like, I didn't want that. It doesn't matter. If we created it, we wanted it. Period, blank, stop. There is okay. no other but conversation. I don't, have to, I don't have to go there. To just see with my eyeballs. Whether or not you liked how it felt. Sure. It is important. These these little semantics in the way you say the words and things you say and how you say them and what, how they fit with other things matters. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because all of us wanted COVID, we got COVID. Correct. Okay. We created COVID somehow. Okay. We wanted it. <laughs> and what that taught me is... That a disruptor of that scale, global scale. Adversity. A challenge. Something to do. Made us have to, everyone... Cultivation of creation. To have to shift. Mm -hmm. For some, those shifts were large. Mm -hmm. As we see them. As some, they were small. But I think that COVID gave time for people, whether or not they took advantage of it, 
to give thought to the idea that this thing that we have decided is life, the way we live, the, the processes that we have, yes. the structures that we have. Yes. There can be a day very quickly where none of it exists. Where now, none now, of now, what exists. We, where we, none of what exists. The structures that way oh, that, absolutely, that way absolutely. of doing something absolutely what what here let me give you a very concrete example what going to the grocery store is yes it depends on we will they will all change and shift unless people go back to normal but here's the thing people are going to go back to normal in certain places and in other places they're not going to go back to normal and the thing about it is is that if you don't create space for it around you then you're not going to see it anyway there's a lot of things going on in this world amongst humans that I know nothing about. And I'm perfectly okay with not knowing anything about that. I was going to say, if we continue doing the podcast, we can answer all of these questions before But only die. the ones I want to create space for. Certainly. Like, okay, I said this example because the creating space part is really an important part of the whole, like, thing. Because it's only there if you create space for it. So like if you're all jam packed up and like solid in your space that you're in and you haven't had any like recent adversity that's like shifted all your vibrations around and created space for something either for you to create something else or for you to just reform that other thing that you already had and knew, then you have to make space for what you want and you have to offer it room. You have to offer it space in order for it to exist in your world. Okay? So... The other night, someone came over to the table that sometimes if they sit down to talk, it lasts way too long and it's not as enjoyable for everyone. And you offered that person a seat. Yes. And then when he left, you said, I'm so glad he didn't sit down. Yeah. And I said, then why did you make space for him to sit down? That's right. And that's a an easy example. And someone could say, well, I didn't make space for the death of my child when it was three months old, but you don't understand everything you're making space for all of the time. We don't all know what we made space for. We just simply, and we don't even know exactly how that space was created based on what the whole was doing and what the other people in our space were doing that created space for that thing that you didn't necessarily desire but it came. It came because there was room for it to come. It came because it was meant to come. It came because someone wanted it for some reason. Now, the reason could be that there was something in your family legacy that needed to be learned by that experience. And that's why one of the pinpoints in that mathematical soup wanted to have that experience and made space for it. And, and you could go back and forth and can you prove it through this or that, whatever. I do believe in science. I, I'm a badass scientist, by the way, all of my life. I've do, it took me to 42 to discover that they had conditioned me to believe I wasn't a scientist, but I am. As a matter of fact, you can't have one without the other. It literally is science. It's a mathematical soup. We live in energy. We are energy. We create our reality and if we don't create anything and we stay static, then we stay asleep and unconscious. And so we move with the whole or the mainstream or the space that we've created around us. We're going to move. 
whether we're conscious enough to understand that we're a part of it or not, we're going to move. We're going to shift. We're going to evolve. Then the next question some folks might ask, well, okay, that's fine. I think like that, but then I also see all these other things happening and now it's creating all this like sensitivity and anxiety in me in which if you go and listen to that interview that I talk about with Power Up, yeah. I talk a lot about my post-traumatic stress disorder, my pain body. This is how I handled it. I moved through this last year in order to get to a place where I could see through the veil because I asked for it because that's what I wanted was that I had to let go of some old emotional pain, some old pain in my system, some old trauma and drama and shame and guilt and perfectionism and judgment and, you know, all of the things that I had deep inside me that every single time something happened, I get emotional and create a bunch of crap I don't want because I have old activations, old energetic movements. Eckhart Tolle uses the term pain body, but basically it's like within our energetic system. So if we're just mathematical soup and our body is a meat suit that we've created with this energy, right? And energy flows up and down through our body. We basically hold energy from emotions that our pinpoint in this mathematical soup has felt through all the years, through all the generations, anything it's been touched with or by, which truth be told is everything that ever existed because we're a part of the whole. So you can't even really disconnect from it. You can't even really put any kind of historical relevance to the pain body anymore. You just have to let it go. It's often very easy to just let it go. However, we're so habitual and it's so easy to create what we already created and what we know, we just keep going back to the old routines over and over and over again the old fight that makes this particular sensation go off in my body and helps me create this thing that I want to create over the here. The reaction I have to this, 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 that this person specifically does. Mm -hmm. Helps coding. me get it's, something. It's training. It, it helps me get something I made space for and I want. It helps me get something. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes you have to look at it and feel it so that you can begin to understand what it feels like and how to say, okay, I'm, I'm done with that one. Like, I don't really need that one anymore. I'm going to let that one go. I don't want to create that anymore. And part of not but creating. It's hard. It, of it's course hard. it is. Because it, it, the reason it's, okay, even saying it's hard, matter okay. is hard. Right. Okay. Yeah. You create it and it's hard to get rid of because it's a habit. It's easy to create something we've already created before. So we make it hard. We make it matter. And that's part of the notion of real change comes through pain. It might have to it, be hard. I think we get so comfortable, it's easy to go to sleep. But the whole, and the individual for that matter, wants to create. It doesn't want to be asleep. So it's going to wake you up by doing the only thing that the meat suit will really react to. The meat suit will only react to two things. High, high, high sense of pleasure like an orgasm okay, or high sense of pain that could end in death because you don't, I mean, most people don't react if it's just like baseline, like uncomfortable, like that's not enough to wake people up clearly because we're just making ourselves sicker and sicker and sicker by sitting in unconsciousness. It's like a big old toad, just like 
we're here and we're forming and the whole is taking us where it wants to go because we're not reacting, but the holes over here, like it's getting stagnant over here. <laughs> like I need to get some energy flowing. Like imagine if the hole has a hand, right? And the hand's asleep. What do you do? You, you shake, shake it, up. it up. You shake it up. It's a conversation at the dinner table. I just think sometimes it's fun to get the fire hose where there's nothing on the piece of paper <laughs> written down that we're going to talk about and just let's see where it goes. Table topics needs a new stinger. I'm so done with that. Table topics. Do you give me full authority to bring you a draft? Fix it. Okay. What's your worst driving habit? Uh, my very worst, I get on my phone too much. I'm admitting to breaking the law. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. You listening are on your phone too, too much probably. So that's my worst one. I actually believe my worst driving habit has to do with my PTSD. I think I worry too much when I drive. And so it makes me a like... I'd say you worry too much it when makes I drive. Me, it makes me like a, like a nervous driver, which is not a good driver. A good driver is someone that it's gets in the flow. Yeah, yeah, get in the flow with it. Because I can tell you, when I'm in the flow, I'm good. How driving. often are you in the flow? Are I'm you getting, always... I'm getting better. I think that because I'm, you know, I, I've tapped out a lot of pain this year, you know. I've tapped out a lot of trauma. So I don't have the same exact situation now that I used to. Because the car wreck, brain damage, <laughs> like, that took me on a path, man. With some of my fears and anxieties and sensitivities, but... It's all what I desired to get exactly where I am. Now, one of the things I would like to do to shift away from that is to just continue to keep focusing on what it feels like to be a great driver that enjoys driving with my windows rolled down and my radio up. Exactly that's as how, you had imagined yourself in the Jeep. And that's that's me. The Magical Mystery Tour. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. We're going to, you know, whatever. Um, so I lost, I totally lost my train of thought because I, I started watching you. I thought the dog was taking a shit. It might be. Thank you.